the podcast you're about to listen to, do do I really need to tell you? I mean, is there a point to this disclaimer? I've been doing this for like a couple of years now. And I was told in a podcast marketing group that this was a good idea. But do I need to tell you that this podcast is graphic and explicit? I mean, it's called body storytelling, right? You you got that. I'm not sure if I need to do this anymore. I would love your input. Is the disclaimer necessary? I am enormous, get used to it Everyone tells me I'm too much Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see, I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I am sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this week on the podcast, we have a story from the notorious co-author of The Ethical Slut. We've got a story from Dossie Easton. We have an amazing live stream for you this Saturday night. I want you to be there because this one is going to be great. Our theme for the evening is going to be Pax a Wallop a wallop. And our storytellers include Edgeplay author Jane Boone. I'm reading this book right now. It's really good. It's really clever too. Remember Jessica Cohen, who was just on the podcast? She's back with a new story. Erotic activist Victor Warren will be telling his very first story for Body. And OnlyFans audio dramatist, she does a series called Thornhaven that looks amazing. We have for the very first time Princessa Natasha Strange. We've got music from our bestie Shirley Gnome. Love her. And this is going to be an incredible live stream show. Please be there. Tickets are available on the website. There's a link in the show notes, but you're going to want to be part of this one. We are trying this new thing called Voyeurs. If you buy the Voyeur ticket, you get to see all the behind the scenes. You get to log in early. You get to watch the performers. You get to watch the furries and the drag queens and the kinksters all filter into the room. But you can turn your camera off if you'd like, because every good exhibitionist needs a voyeur. We need to know you're watching. So that's a new thing we're trying. Let's see if it works. It was suggested by fans. I'm very curious as to whether that's something you'd like to have as an option. Oh, and let me prepare you for the next live stream because this one's going to be a big fucking deal. Our next show is going to be on August 15th and this one is themed What is Kinky? This was inspired by a post that I put up recently on social media saying if you could hear one story about a fetish, what would that story be? And the list that I got is incredible. I had two people sign up to work with me to tell a story about something I've always wanted to have on the podcast or the live stage series. We're going to have it for the live stream on August 15th. So two storytellers are down and I still need a few other stories. 
So if you have a story, a personal true story about CFNM, clothed female, nude male, if you have a story about pegging, if you have a story about what else did they ask me for? There's a very long list that you can find on Facebook. I need your story. I need your fetish story. I need your first person fetish story. If you'd like to pitch me, send it to me. Make a voice memo of yourself telling the story, beginning, middle, and end. Doesn't have to be perfect. That's not necessary. I'm a really good story coach, y'all. Send it to me at dixieatbodystorytelling.com. There's a link in the show notes on how to do it with some instructions. And hopefully, we're going to have you as part of that live stream too. You ready? <laughs> and I will tell you, especially if you have a story about ABDL, adult baby diaper lover. I'm looking for stories of that. They tend to be shy. If you want to wear a mask, I'll let you do that. But I'm looking for some particular fetishes. Send me yours. And that is going to be on Saturday, August 15th. That theme is what is kinky. So packs a wallop on August 1st and what is kinky on August 15th. Both of those are sponsored by Uberlube. Thanks so much, Uberlube, for helping support the Body Storytelling live stream. Hi there. How's your week going? Have you ever made up your mind, done the job, been just about entirely done with your work and decided to start over? Well, I did that with this week's podcast. I get some really sweet messages from people who say, Dix, sounds like you're having a hard time over there in quarantine. And it's because of this part of the podcast, the Dixie Ramble. It's where I talk about what's going on in my life. And you know, I've been locked in the house for five months, so there's not a whole lot going on in my life. So I had chosen a story, or at least I sort of decided on a story. I hadn't chosen a particular story, but I knew where this week's story was going to come from. Many of you know Dossie Easton, who is the co-author of The Ethical Slut and many other books, and Dossie and I are good friends. And for some reason, you know how you get inside your own head and you stop yourself from completing anything. I had been sitting on these awesome stories for over a year and hadn't done anything with them. And let me tell you why. Dossie has been to body storytelling so many times. We often see her in the audience. She's been on the stage a number of times. And she had told me for her 75th birthday in 2019 that she wanted me to throw a body just for her. We call that a story roast. When I create an evening of stories all about you, that's a story roast. When I first told her the name, she went, but wait, are people going to be mean to me like they are in a roast? I'm like, no, no. It's, you know how everybody talks about a particular person in a roast, but they're mean? It's all stories. It's only sharing that name because you're the focus, but nobody's going to be mean to you. I won't allow it. So everybody got it. Everybody got clear on what we were doing. We were telling our favorite stories about Dossie. We had this discussion about it. And I told Dossie I was just too busy. I was trying to prep for a tour. I had shows going on in a couple of cities regularly every month. And I'm like, I don't think I can take it on. And she kept coming back. And that is not Dossie. Dossie is not the kind to come back when you say no. But I realized after a while she was being persistent because this was her 75th birthday. It was not just her 75th birthday. It was also the 50th anniversary of the event that led her to write The Ethical Slut. 
and the other books that she wrote, but primarily The Ethical Slut. So 50th anniversary, 75th birthday, they fell at the same time. She wanted to celebrate them both, and she wanted to celebrate both of them with body. And after I thought about it, I went, Dixie, shut the fuck up. Who are you to say no to Dossie Easton? You're going to do it. And let me tell you, it was incredible. It was crazy sold out. We had so many special pieces to it. All the friends, I get to meet all Dossie's best friends and coach them on their stories. I got to come up with, with the help of nickel dime cocktail syrups, we came up with special cocktails in honor of Dossie and the ethical slut. We had so many people who'd read her book and had the ethical slut change their life. It was an incredible night. But I have been sitting on these recordings ever since that night. Because to me, it felt like they belonged to Dossie, not to me. But I knew that Dossie would say okay if I wanted to put one of her stories on the podcast. And for the entire day today, I have been listening to the recording. And there's so much joy in that room. And there's so much love and so many standing ovations and such great stories that I texted Dossie and I said, would you be okay with me using more of this on the podcast? And she wrote me back and said, Dix, I'd be honored. I love being on your podcast. So you're going to hear one of Dossie's stories on this podcast. And you're also going to get more than that. If you stick around to the very end of the episode, I'm going to let you hear the poem that Dossie read to us at the end of the evening. I know, poetry is not usually my thing. But I'll tell you, if you're concerned about it, you love storytelling and you don't love poetry, I will tell you, it's one of the dirtiest poems you're ever going to hear. And it's beautiful. So you're going to get extra doses of Dusty Easton this week. You lucky, lucky fucker. You're going to get so much Dossy. Do you have a lot on your mind? In times of stress or anxiety, it can be hard to remember to take time to focus on yourself. But your joy and pleasure are so important, especially right now. So you can put your well-being first with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there. And there's something for everyone, whoever, or whatever you're into. They add new content every week, so there's always more to explore. Find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor you can't stop thinking about, or even stories about trying that new toy together, or getting tied up. And for listeners of the Body Storytelling Podcast, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash D-I-X-I-E. You love stories, so act now. They add new stories every week, so you'll never get bored. Spice things up today. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Dixie. I think it's time to hear from the person of the hour, don't you? But you probably don't know everything there is to know about Dossie Eason, do you? Well, luckily I have her bio in my hand and I'm going to tell you all about her. Dossie Easton, 
a longtime player in the San Francisco S&M scene, is co-author with Janet Hardy of The Ethical Slut, The Bottoming and Topping Books, and Radical Ecstasy, S&M Journeys to Transcendence. Dossie is a psychotherapist working with individuals, couples, and more in her private practice in San Francisco with a particular interest in how S&M journeys into shadow can bring old wounds into the healing light of consciousness and give them a shot of life force in the form of good hot sex. An active sex radical since 1961, Dossie was a member of the first board of directors of the Society of Janice in San Francisco in 1974 and active with SFISI, San Francisco Sex Information, from 1973 to 1985. Currently, she makes her home in the mountains north of San Francisco, travels to teach at conferences all over the world, and wanders through the mountains around her home declaiming filthy poetry to the vultures. You can check out her website at dossieeaston.com. You should also know, here's a project that Dossie has taken on in the past few years. Dossie has created a series called Navigating Consent. You can find it under The Ethical Slut Presents Navigating Consent, and that is at navigating-consent.com. Navigating Consent is offering 12 interactive classes to the community teaching about sexual sanity, consent, collaboration, cooperation, and how to make safe spaces and protect yourselves and each other. Six of these classes will be offered to people who have been violated or fear violation, the other six to those who have or fear they might violate. That just blows me away. That feels like progress in the world of consent, not just the victims, but also the other side of it to teach people how to behave. I am so impressed that Dossie has put this together. She has a team of educators who are working with her. And you can find out more at navigating-consent.com. So here you go. This storyteller is the notorious Dossie Easton. Thank you. <sighs> Let's see. Can I interest you in a story about how I lost my virginity? <laughs> you got to understand that being as old as I am, ancient as the hills and all that, um, I was a teenager in the 1950s. There, were no, there was no information. It was a total blackout of information about sex. There were no books. There was no Oprah. There was no online. There was nothing, absolutely nothing. When I asked about sex, questions were met with a tense, tense silence. Evidently, sex was too scary to even mention. I literally didn't know where babies came from till I was uh, 15 and a half. It was unbelievable, the silence. And it was very, very frightening, very frightening. So when I was 17, I started getting turned on. I um, 
got excited about a lot of things. And I started running after, chasing after people who might want to play with me. Meanwhile, all I really had available to me was wrestling matches in the back seat of cars and drive-in movies, <laughs> which got a little tedious after a while. Um, and I didn't really quite know what to do about all this. Somewhere along the line, I figured something out. I was being told that my virginity was an object of great value that I was supposed to trade with some nice lawyer or doctor in return for a very nice house in the suburbs and sending my children to very nice schools uh, and that my basic market value was in refusing to have sex. That was what was gonna make me somebody's great wife. Well, if you look at it this way, it just looks ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> How could this possibly be true? So I went off to college. I went to this little college called Bryn Mawr outside of Philadelphia, and I thought, aha, freedom, I'm out there in the world. I acquired myself a boyfriend, and we, a uh, sweet, sweet man named Chris, and we had a lot of fun, and as we were doing everything, but we were sharing orgasms and exploring bodies. It was all very nice. So we decided it was time for us to have sex. I saw my virginity as something I wanted to kind of unburden myself of, right? You know, I wanted to just get rid of it so I didn't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> and so we, uh, we were living in college dorms and there wasn't much privacy. So to honor this event, which we were told was supposed to be this major event, um, we got a friend to lend us their apartment for the weekend. And so we had nothing to do but have sex. And we played around with everything we already knew how to do. And then we got to the place where the penis goes in the vagina. And I had a panic attack. Literally, shaking with terror, crying, screaming, heart racing, terrified. Chris was nice, he was concerned. I mean, it, there was no question about um, anything nasty. Uh, I was supported, I was gently taken care of. And I was appalled. I had managed to leave the home I grew up in, but I was not free. I was hauling around in my own mind some of the trash from the culture that I was rejecting. I was not free. We tried and tried, and I had panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. Now, that part was the icky part. Now, every th I spent about a year and a half to two years in the everything but stage. Everything but was lots of fun. There's nothing wrong with everything but if you happen to be in that position. Um, I gotta tell you the story inside this story of the first person I ever picked up in a bar. When I turned 18, we went up to New York because the legal drinking age in New York at the time was 18. And so we were doing Dossie's first legal drunk. And we went up to a club in Harlem called Big Wilt's Small's Paradise. Now today, the political implications of a bunch of white Ivy League students going to a club in Harlem is kind of like, eh. But at the time, Sonny Stitt was playing and it was great music and it was great dancing. And in fact, everybody was having a good time. And a waiter brought a note to the table, said, call Norman with a number. And I said, well, gee, I have to leave tomorrow. I'm not here with a date. Could I meet this person? The waiter checked it out, came back, escorted me to a table where there was this very good-looking black man in a beautifully tailored jacket, coat and tie, the whole thing. And we chatted for a while. He didn't want to dance. 
And eventually we agreed to go back to his apartment. And he stood up. And he stood up and up and up. You're really tall. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he knows that. Uh, <laughs> and as we're leaving the club, the staff is standing there. As we're leaving Big Wilt's Small's Paradise, the staff is saying, Good night, Mr. Chamberlain. Good night, Mr. Chamberlain. Good night, Mr. Chamberlain. Some of you now know who this person was. <laughs> Will Chamberlain was a very famous basketball player in his day. Remember, this was happening 60 years ago. He was one of the first over seven feet tall. He was actually, he told me, seven foot one, weighed 275 pounds, and had a 31-inch waistline. And I hear you wondering, yes, it was. <laughs> So we went up to his apartment and we did everything but. It was obviously not the right place for me to try this virginity thing and I didn't want to have a panic attack all over the poor man. So um, we played, we had a great time. He, he made up for the height difference by literally physically picking me up off the ground so we could neck. My feet are hanging in midair, but it didn't hurt, it was nice. He had this big, huge bed. I'd never seen anything like this, this big circular bed with pink satin sheets. And, Will became famous because in his memoir, he said that he had had sex with 20,000 women. And that may sound like bragging to you, but I believe it, and I'll tell you why. Because he was unutterably nice. He was kind, he was gentle, he was sweet, he was sexy, he was sex positive. It was actually a very delightful night. We spent the weekend, it was lovely. No pressure. Nothing happened that shouldn't happen. It was all just sweet. And I guess if you want to fuck 20,000 women, <laughs> seems like almost a chore to me, but... Um, <laughs> you could be nice and gentle and kind and make it into a really good experience for the people around you. It was very sweet. Anyway, I went back to Bryn Mawr, and that summer in Boston, I met Tony, and we became lovers in the everything but thing, and we tried and tried, and still more panic attacks, and I was getting really frustrated with this, when Tony's roommate, Jim, took things in hand. I wish I could tell you that something romantic, or visionary, or loving, or beautiful, or just plain super, super hot was how I managed to get rid of this awful virginity thing. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Sometimes you just have to do it as awkwardly and clumsily as you can. His roommate, Jim, took me aside and actually performed what was mindfuck. He should not have done what he did. He did a guided visualization. Some of you are familiar with it. You're walking on a path, and there's a log in the path, and a key, and a cup, and an animal. And uh, you make up these things, and you tell the person what you've imagined. And he interpreted my every imagining as something wrong with me, that I was broken, I was fucked up, I was just dirty with shame, I was inhibited. That was a great accusation back then, by the way. And it was not kind, it was very, very painful. I felt terrible about myself, and I already felt terrible about myself. But something in me responded to that. And I stomped into Tony's room and said, we are gonna do this now. <laughs> right now. 
he darned it off and put Ravel's bolero on the record player. <laughs> well, it was a little romance, you know? And, <laughs> and we actually did the deed with this kind of stark determination. <laughs> maybe it was the anger that made it possible. Maybe the anger was so powerful it kind of canceled out the, the panic attacks. But I got over that hump. Orgasms came later, came later. The earth didn't move, you know. Volcanoes did not erupt. We did a workmanlike job of getting rid of that virginity. <laughs> and I share this story with you because I know that I am not the only person in this room who has suffered with sexual dysfunction, with things not working right, with difficulties around sex, and all the shame and humiliation and self-loathing we can feel about that. So this was the first time in my young life I had ever actually managed to change something. Even in this funky way, I managed to make something different and heal it. And I want you all to know, if you are the person who's struggling with something around sex in your life, do not accept this as your lot in life. You have within you the power to express yourself in ways that work for you, you have the power to change. And I hope this story may inspire you to decide to do something, even if it is kind of awkward. So please do. Thank you. Just the more sex I have, the more I feel like an ethical slut. I made my way through the trenches of patriarchy, finding my pleasures where it suited me. You can call it a compromise when you fetishize your thighs, but I find it delightful to trifle with rules as I please. Why waste time on judgment? Why have sex and not love it? Why put up with lovers that suck and don't know it? Why hold in your desire? Why hide all of your fire? Why not explore all the bodies you want to admire? Fuck me senseless, fuck me dumb, but don't think that you can fuck me unjust. The more sex I have, the more I feel I'm an ethical slut. It's not easy figuring out how to get your kicks. It's a mess out there full of pussies, butts, and dicks. And they've got their own ideas about what it is they want. And sometimes you gotta help them get their fix. Give and take takes talking a lot, but in the end you get to get on top, you get to drive the scene, you get to figure out what that means. In the hours, take a hard look, don't follow a script. Write a book, take pieces from your life to turn you on. Be honest about what you're doing. Be real with everyone that you're screwing. Get it, girl. Take what you need, whether it's being tied up or smoking weed or spitting in faces or trading places. 
or crying a lot or wearing laces or doing yoga or eating cake or wearing a studded leather cape or going to dungeons in a mask or acting like you were bad in class or getting gang banged by 30 guys or eating pussy and slapping thighs or getting up on stage and singing songs about your period According to the radical proposition that sex is nice and pleasure is good for you. A lot of folks have figured it out and baby, so can you. So fuck me senseless, fuck me dumb, but don't think that you can fuck me unjust. The more sex I have, the more blowjobs I give, the more things I discover in life that I live, the more comes that I touch. Uh, the more times that I come and songs that I write, the more dates that I go on and friends in my life, the more kinks I uncover in me and in others and stories we tell to ourselves and each other. The more I think I'm an ethical slut, the more sex I have, the more I feel like an ethical slut. <laughs> Thank you. That was the Ethical Slut Song by Rachel Lark. And by the way, want more of this amazing evening? This evening was entitled Notorious, the story roast of Dossie Easton. Rachel Lark wrote this song especially for the evening, and Dossie told two stories that evening. If you want the second story where she picks up where the first one left off and continues the story of her incredible life, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash body, and it's on the free level. You don't even have to be a Patreon supporter to hear it. Dossie is such a talented storyteller. I wanted to make sure everybody heard this story. Thanks for giving me permission to do that, Dossie. Before we go any farther, can I ask you to join me in wishing a happy birthday to my BFF, Lil P. Lil P has been there through thick and thin for 20 years. She's the sensible, practical one who balances my idealistic, crazy side. She was there. She gave me the first location to host body storytelling. She had an art studio here on the edge of San Francisco, and she asked for permission for us to use this enormous warehouse space where people worked on Burning Man art to put together the first body. That was our first body over 13 years ago. P and I have known each other about 20 years now, and we met in a rather interesting way. I was invited to this camp out of the 100 core volunteers of Burning Man. It was in Northern California, and at first I wasn't invited because they were concerned that I was a dirty girl. Somehow, I got past that. I was on my best behavior. And then I go to this camp out and there they have a yurt, a thing they call the smut dome, where people climb inside to sit around a fire late at night and make out. And some of them did drugs. And uh, yeah, why is it a problem if I'm dirty, if you've got a thing called a smut dome? But let's get beyond that because that's like 20 years ago. I need to let it go. 
still have a problem, but I'm going to let it go. And as I was making out with different people in the dome, I started making out with this attractive woman. We are sucking face to beat the band. And at a certain point, she stops and pulls away and she looks at me and she goes, hey, um, I feel like I should say something. I'm straight. I'm like, that's cool. She goes, okay, good. Just want to make sure you knew. And went right back to sucking face. We kissed for a long time. And the next day it was kind of like, oh, hey, it's you. Hi. Would you like some scrambled eggs? We took a little while to warm to each other beyond that first makeout session. And I have found she is the most steadfast, most dependable person I've ever met. Love her. Love her. So glad she's still in my life. Right now, my partner is delivering a birthday card with some surprises inside to her front porch, socially distanced, of course. I'm going to text her a picture to say, there's something waiting on your porch. Go outside your front door. Because do you leave your front door? I don't know many people who are leaving their house these days. So, LP, if you get this, there's something waiting on your front porch. Thank you for being in my life. I love you so much. I'm so glad I made out with you all those years ago and that what we have has turned into one of the best friendships I've ever known. Happy birthday. I fought it for the longest time. You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an artist. Everybody thought I was going to be one too, but it didn't happen. And then somehow I became a storyteller, a professional storyteller. But I never put the things together. I never realized that a storyteller is an artist too. I rejected the label. But guess what? I am an artist just like every other artist out there right now who has had the rug pulled out from underneath them because of this damn pandemic business. Everybody I know is hurting. Everybody I know who is a performer, whether it's burlesque, storytelling, artists, musicians, all of them, all of them are in bad straits right now. And I guess since I am too, I can call myself an artist now. I don't have an office job to return to, and it's going to be a long time before I can return to the stage and do live shows. So I'm asking for your support on Patreon. Patreon is kind of like a Kickstarter, except you're a patron just like arts in the old days. You support artists, you buy their work, you make sure that what they have continues to be. This podcast, that's part of that. Our live streams, they can continue with the support that we get on Patreon. The only way body is going to continue, the only way we're going to be around when this is over, is through Patreon. So if you could go to patreon.com slash body, support us at whatever level you can, you get great rewards. I have finally figured out, thanks to live streaming, how to give you things that you want wherever you are. Maybe you want free tickets to the live stream. Maybe you want the replay of the live stream because it happens at 4am because you live on another continent. That's happened a few times. You can do that. If you support us at the $10 and up level, then you get not only free live stream tickets, you get the live stream replay, you get our behind the scenes, you get story coaching, you get interviews with sex positive and kink positive luminaries. I've got some brand new stuff coming to you really soon from people that you're going to go, how the hell did she get them to sit down and talk to her? 
Well, I've been doing what I do for a long time, and luckily that means I have the ear of some pretty amazing people. And if you support me on Patreon, you get to be there too. Just like being in the room for the stories, now you can be there in the room for everything else. So go to patreon.com slash body, and thanks in advance for your support. <sighs> We're just about at the end. But before we go, I want to thank the team that makes all of this possible. Thank you to podcast producer and live stream technical director, Marty Garcia. By the way, I made up that second title. I don't know what to call him. He fucking invented live streaming as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to call him technical director, but really he's everything director, Marty Garcia. Thank you to video archivist, Joe Moore. Joe has been recording video at the live shows for 10 years probably and now he is helping us with the replay of the live stream putting it up so that people can access the replay on our patreon thank you to sound engineer who recorded sound at our live show at the verity club in san francisco david grossoff thank you to you thank you for listening thank you for telling your friends about this podcast really we're a word of mouth thing because when you talk about things that are dirty you don't get recommended by Apple Podcasts. You really don't get recommended by anything in the mainstream world. But you, you have the best friends. And they should know about this podcast. And stick around, because you're going to get to hear the poem that Tossie ended her birthday story roast with. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour. This has been episode 134 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. And here's a poem. I have to admit, I was slightly surprised that this poem was accepted for publication in the Journal of Humanistic Psychology, because um, get a good grip on your seats, my dears. Uh, this poem is extremely graphic. It's called, Hold Me Down So I Can Fly. Your smile serenely permits my confusion. In ritual pace, you buckle the cuffs, each wrist, each ankle, carefully. Your confidence allows my nervousness. I giggle. You slap my face, face me down, my face down, wrist to ankle, ass in the air. On a moon path at midnight, I am bound for liberation. You enforce sensuality with kid gloves all over my skin, lingering over the tender places you pinch hard. You have my attention. Your fingers explore now leather, now latex, the insides of thighs and furthers inside. You spread grease on my cunt meticulously, slicking every fold. Your patience allows my hesitation. You hold me safe so I can struggle. I pull and yank and freak myself out. You help me out, pull me in with a blindfold, with a gag. Breathing slow in the darkness, I relax. You have my senses. A cool feeling invades my ass, stretches me more open than I can. I reach, I work, I strive, I fail. You relent 
Give me time, give me clit, a melting warmth, another inch. This plug's too big, I can't. You hit my ass hard with the heel of your hand. This plug's too big and I can't push it out. You have my ass. You stroke my back and tell me I'm all right till the shuddering subsides. I'm conquered, and still you encourage my resistance with your cane. Rapid little rain taps everywhere. Wake up skin wraps on my cunt, taps on the plug. Without my will, my ass is rocking like the sea at full moon. In a mountainous silence, I hear the cane slice the air. Brilliant pain rolls up my body like a wave breaking on a rock. Your hardness allows my dissolving. One wave breaks on another, moonstruck like a rising tide. Each time I think I can't, I twist, I writhe, I moan, I fight, I scream. You have me soaring like an eagle on a string. Oh yes, please, hold me down so I can fly.